How many of you like experiences? I mean, like unique experiences, that you, moments that just grab your attention and captivate you. I love experiences. I mean, sometimes experiences happen on vacation, right? Um, and you get to enjoy things you wouldn't normally enjoy. Recently, we, we went to Bush Gardens uh, a f- month or so ago, and it was awesome. And uh, just being there and being a part of what was going on, and uh, our youngest son was there with me, and, and we decided we wanted to go on a roller coaster. And how many of you like roller coasters? You like roller coasters? I love roller coasters. So I was like, come on, let's do this, you know? And so we stood in line for about 45 minutes to an hour for a 30-second experience. Now, I'm going to tell you, though, that 30 seconds was exhilarating. It was, it was unbelievable. These new roller coasters, they don't, like, start by going up a hill. They shoot you, like, out of a cannon. And you just, like, screaming like a girl. And it was awesome. I was just loving it. It was, it was incredible. I remember getting done and... We're getting out of our seats and we're fist pounding and like, yeah, that was awesome. We need to do this again. That was our statement. We need to do this again because it was so cool to experience, but it was over. And the one thing that we learn in in that is there are experiences that we have in life that we enjoy and that are amazing, but they end. They don't continue. And what we see in the passage that we're looking at today is there's an spiritual experience that happens that's spectacular, that's exhilarating, you might even say. But it also has an end point. And so we sometimes, I think, in life, we exist between experiences, Like we end the experience, we go like, what are we going to do next? Like next year, next month, next week. And so we just try to get there. So it's one thing with some in-between time to get to the next thing. I want to talk to you today about spiritual experiences. Because one of the most dramatic, spectacular moments in the history of the church happened in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the pouring out of the Spirit. And it was spectacular. I mean, we're talking about foreign languages, you know, tongues like fire resting on the heads of these people. You're talking about this mighty rushing wind. I mean, just, just spectacular things happening. And it was a moment that God used to forever change the church. But sometimes what can happen is you go, I want that moment back. I, I want an experience like that again. So we don't need another Pentecost like we had there, another moment like that. We need to learn how does God want us to live between experiences. Experiences are not wrong. They're awesome. They're amazing. But what about life in between? Do we just exist to the next spiritual experience? And we say, well, God really showed up there. Was he absent in the in-between? So today I want to look at that. And I want to show you that in Acts chapter 2, after 
these amazing, beautiful moments that the church experienced as it began, that God had something that he put in place that would continue, that would last, that wouldn't go away, that wouldn't be relegated to a moment, but would be a part of their everyday life. And so I want to take you to this passage in Acts chapter 2 and remember what happened. It was the pouring out of the Spirit. Then Peter gets up and he preaches this incredible sermon, simple but powerful, and he talks about Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and people are moved and they, they give their lives to Jesus and 3,000 people come to faith. It's a pretty good service. 3,000 people come to faith. It's awesome. But then we see these next verses in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And it says, this is what they did after all of that. After that moment, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So let's just talk about a spirituality that is beyond an experience. You might even call it the God of the in-between. That we don't have to seek a moment and experience, but there's some reality that exists beyond that. Because sometimes you've been into a concert, right? And you're like, oh, I wish it would have never ended. You're at a conference and it's just moving you and God uses it in a powerful way. I wish I could go back there. I wish I could do that again. Even the disciples, you know, in the Mount of Transfiguration, they're like, Jesus, would you just do this? Would you make this booth here and we could just kind of hang out together? I know I don't want it to end. The pillar of fire, the burning bush, the, you know, all of these amazing moments. And God didn't, make them to stay in that moment. But there was something greater that transcended the moment. I think that's where we really, I, I want you to see this today. I want you to not just see it, I want you to understand it and embrace it and live it. And the first one is this, a spiritual reality that exists beyond an experience. A spiritual reality, and that is this, that this moment was the beginning of something that would last forever and would ask, last continually. And that is the presence of the Spirit of God wasn't just there in that moment. The presence, the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God went with them. When they would go back to their homes, when they would go back to their lands, they had gathered here for this harvest feast, when they went back, they did not go alone. The Spirit of God would go with them. The power of the Spirit of God dwelling within them would not stay in that place in Jerusalem, but would be with them wherever they would go. 
This was a game changer. Even Jesus said it this way in John 16, 17. He says, it's to your advantage that I leave to the disciples. And they couldn't understand it. They're like, what do you mean, Jesus? Why are you going back to heaven? Why would you do that? And he says, because if I don't, the comforter won't come. But when I leave, the comforter will come and he will be with you always. Always. Over this last vacation, we had an opportunity to... Um, be down in Florida and, and spend some time actually just watching uh, some golf. And you know, that's what I love. And our youngest son plays competitively. And so we watched him with a swing coach. And it was the first time ever. He has a cool coach down in Florida that it has a lot of big guys that he teaches. And so uh, we were sitting there in these Adirondack chairs just listening. And I'm like, hanging on every little word he's saying. And then, um, you know, watching your son try to, try to listen and implement those things. And you're like, wow, that's good. He's, he's getting it. And then about three days later, we're on the course. And, you know, his ball's going in, you know, off, off the fairway into uh, <clears throat> the woods or water or whatever it is. And I'm like, I wish his coach was here. What was his coach say? What would he say? What, what, what would he tell him to do different? And... You know, that reality is, what if his coach could travel with him all the time? Wouldn't that be awesome? And you and I would look at that and go, yeah, that makes total sense. Listen to this, and I, I, this is why I'm making this point. The God who created you, the God who gave you everything that you possess, your personality, your passions, your experiences, all of this, that God is with you all the time. The indwelling presence of God is there. He does not leave you. He does not forsake you. He goes with you. He's there to guide you, to instruct you, and to continue to conform you to the image of Christ so that you can reflect his glory to the world. He's with you. We have got to really do business with this and remember that beyond any spiritual experience, we walk out of a service like this and you go, man, that was, that was awesome. No, what's awesome is the God that we glorified and we celebrate in this service goes with you. That's awesome. Now we're talking. That's awesome. I want to take you to the spiritual practices, the spiritual reality of the Spirit of God within you. That's what goes beyond an experience. The second thing is spiritual practices that last beyond an experience. He lists four of them. There's a commitment to learn about their faith. There's a commitment to community. There's a commitment to the Lord's table. And there's a commitment to prayer. Those four things that he mentions here. It says that they sat under the apostles' teaching. That once they came to this faith and this realization of who Jesus was and what he did for them, they wanted to learn and grow. They wanted to learn more about who is this God that loves me radically like this. So they began to learn. It says they sat together learning and growing. And the one thing that I've learned about spiritual growth is this, that it doesn't happen in the absence, in the absence of our commitment to learn. You know what I'm saying? You know, this reality of, man, I just, I wish I had faith like you. I wish I, 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 wish I knew the Bible like this person or that person. I wish I could do these things. And the reality is, 
that in order to see those things actually take place, there's got to be a commitment to invest. This spiritual growth happens as we're committed to learn and, and to sit under the tutelage of the Spirit of God as he teaches us the Word of God. Just think about that for a moment. What does it look like spiritually in your life? What does your commitment to growth look like? Do you spend time in the Word? Do you spend time in prayer? Is there time listening to some podcasts? What, what do you do to grow your faith? Or is there just an expectation, I hope my faith is strong? I can use that even in the, the, the game of golf, is I can have all the expectations in the world, but if I go out there and I haven't practiced and I haven't put the time in, I'm not going to get the results I want. It's not happening. The second thing is not just a commitment to learn about their faith, but a commitment to community. <coughs> this is, this is uh, interesting here. Is sometimes faith feels so individual, but when God put us together, he didn't put us together individually. He interconnected us as a family, as a community of faith, that it is not just about you or I, it's about us, it's about we, that he has connected us together as a community of faith. Look at what he says happened here. This is so cool. He says, and they... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to what? Fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. This fellowship that they're talking about is this interconnectedness. This wasn't just about them learning and them praying and them going through these disciplines, but it was this connectedness that they had with those around them. What's unique is a lot of these people did not know each other. They had come from these foreign lands. They had come to celebrate this harvest feast, and they didn't know each other from Adam. And yet, God took this moment and brought them together because of one thing that united them. <coughs> it was the cross. The, the saving work of Jesus united them. And that is what brought them to be this community of faith. The third thing that we see is not only did they have this commitment to learn about their faith and a commitment to community, it says that they broke bread together. And in this passage, it can be interpreted a couple things. It can be that they just shared a meal together. And then other commentators say, well, it could be that they actually shared communion together. And the way it's organized, I think it's that they shared the Lord's table together because it's what united them. The body and the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus united them, and so they would celebrate that with a time of communion. And then the last one was the prayers. This idea that they would come together and they were committed not just to observe the Lord's table, but to pray. To reach out to this God who created them, that knows them, that formed them, that gives them even the next breath that they have to breathe, to reach out and say, God, I love you, I know you, and then to share your heart with him. It wasn't just about a form prayer of, you know, our Father which art in heaven, but it was a real prayer of, God, you have forever changed me. Now help me reflect your glory to the world around me. So we have these four practices that 
I'm going to say, don't exist just at Pentecost. They didn't stay in Jerusalem. When they went back, the Spirit of God, the reality of the Spirit of God who indwells them, went with them. And these practices also were transferable. They went back to their homeland and they could learn and they could pray and they could observe communion and they could fellowship together. This new community of faith that they were able to experience and enjoy. Then the last thing is this, their spiritual choices lasted beyond an experience. This is pretty radical. I want you to, to just follow the next part of these verses. It's, it's powerful. It says this. And all who believed, talking about all of those who confessed Jesus as their Savior, were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as he had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with, with all people. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who needed when we think about giving, what we often think about is giving in abundance. Like, um, you know, uh, somebody's needy, let me give them something. This wasn't giving out of abundance. This wasn't a 10% tithe. This was a sacrificial understanding that there is need around me and I'm gonna love people radically who need to be loved. So the Spirit of God is working in such a powerful way. They've trusted this Jesus as their Savior. They're bonded in this community of faith that was forever going to change them. And now they're committed to care for those people in a radical way. In a sacrificial way. This, we can read this and almost disconnect from it. But think about it in this way. What would it look like? if we had to sacrifice for the good of those around us. We cared enough about people who were hurting that we said, God, let me release what you have given me for the good of those around me. Man, that would look dramatically different. Because in America, what we are is, we, we are a collection of individuals. Oftentimes we stay in our silos and yet God wants us to live in community understanding and caring for the needs of the people around us. This wasn't about socialism. This isn't about a commune. This is about living generously because a generous God gave to them. They reflect that by generously giving to those around them. It's a radical shift in choices that in this world, oftentimes it's about accumulating, it's about getting our nest egg, and it's about all of that. And God says, look around you. Care for those who are around you who have need. So we see these things transcend that moment. They go back to their homelands and they start forming these faith communities that love one another radically. So they make this choice to be generous. And the result, the result is this. It says, God continued to add to the church and grow the church 
because of the faith of those who have believed and would live differently and distinctly in the world that God has placed them. I often think about that, and I think, you know, are we different in the way we live, in the choices that we make, in the practices that we are a part of? Or do we look very similar to all the other people in the world around us? God has forever changed us. If we have put our faith and trust in Jesus, there's one thing for sure. You have the constant presence of the Spirit of God dwelling within you, number one. Number two is he reminds us that we are a part of a family, a faith community, that you are connected to those around you. I find this incredible that I can fly to Washington State I can get off the airport, and I can walk in that airport and look, and I, I remember I was on a flight, and this guy and I were talking, and he goes, hey, are you a believer? Because of our conversation, things came up. I go, yeah, man, I'm a believer. Are you a believer? And he goes, yeah, I'm a believer. I go, dude, that's awesome. You know, you fist pump, and you're like, you're connected. I don't know this guy. I've never met him prior to that. But God has united us because of our faith. That's what brings us together. It's not my biological father. It's my heavenly father who has forever reshaped me as a person and placed me in a family and you in a family of faith. Where what? Where we care for one another. It's not enough that we're surviving or we're doing our own thing. It's this awareness that God has put us in this family to love and care for those around us. It's beautiful. It's distinct. It doesn't happen. I remember uh, at our house, we had... Uh, we had a moment where we had a need and had a ton of people show up and, and the neighbors were like, why were all those cars at your house and who are those people? Like, oh man, that's our church family. They're just loving up on us. And they're like, your church family? They came to your house? Yeah. You know, and they just, they, they poured themselves out to love us in a moment. And that's another testimony of the body of Christ impacting the world because that's distinct. Who has people, random people, just show up and love them? The body of Christ, the church. And they're not random people. They're brothers and sisters. And so today as we walk away from here, realize this. God's presence is always with us. Spiritual growth does not happen in the void of our commitment to him, but growth happens as a result of our spiritual disciplines in seeking him. And the third thing is this, that the spirit of God, as he causes us to choose differently, not only impacts our life, but the life of the world around us. So Father, this morning, would you powerfully allow us not to look for another moment, another Pentecost, but to live in the in-between and realize that you are present with us, that you are working powerfully in us, and God, that you wanna work in the world around us. And so help us, Father, 
to stay present in these realities. And we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.